1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show again today. The only thing that is constant is change. So said the Greek philosopher Heraclitus in around 500 BC. You'll no doubt have to agree that this wise doctrine is very much alive and valid in today's property market. On top of the various tax changes that are being brought in and continue to be phased in over the next few years, there is a, a big change looming fast with landlord lending. In fact, there already is a big change here right now with the new mortgage affordability rules at 145% rental coverage above mortgage payments and the notional 8% or so interest rate stress tests. So what more could we ask for than a bit more change then? You might well be asking. Well, today I shall focus on yet another change, the new lending requirements for portfolio landlords. Now, if you thought a portfolio landlord means people like Fergus Wilson with hundreds or even thousands of individual properties, then think again. The magic number of rental properties that qualifies you as a portfolio landlord and potentially affected by these new lending guidelines Is a rather surprisingly low number at just four and no matter whether you own them personally or through a company. I'm guessing that the hurdle of four properties is going to impact quite a large number of you listening to this and so let's get the lowdown on these changes right now.
0: Okay so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter.
1: If you have or intend to have four or more rental properties, regardless of type, so buy to let, HMO and so on and use mortgages or equivalent lending to help acquire them, then from the 30th of September 2017 some significant changes are coming in that will affect you. The Prudential Regulation Authority or PRA for short, as I'll use for the rest of the episode today, is a part of the Bank of England which regulates around 1,500 banks and building societies. This is most, if not virtually all, of the buy-to-let, market or buy-to-let lender market. The PRA are the ones that brought in the 145% rental coverage affordability criteria and the higher interest rate stress test requirements at around about 8% for most landlord investors using mortgage and similar lending. Well, they're going a step further now for a portfolio landlord that owns four or more rental properties from the end of September this year. First, let's be clear about the definition of a portfolio landlord, which the PRA defines as borrowers with four or more distinct mortgaged by select properties, either together or separately in aggregate. This definition therefore also mops up uh, properties held in joint names and held using a company, which is at least partially owned by the landlord. So no sneaky way around the rules by having lots of special purpose companies or minority state partnerships then. Yes, I had thought of that. <laughs> so what are these changes? Well, from the 30th of September 2017, I'm not sure if it's from midnight 20th, 30th of September or, you know, from opening the doors on the 1st of October, basically the end of September. The PRA requires that all lenders carry out specialist affordability checks on any borrower who falls into the portfolio landlord category, in other words you have four properties or more. The checks are still a little bit subject to interpretation at least judging by some recent discussion that I have seen from some of the specialist buy-to-let lenders that will include the following as a minimum. They want to know about your property investment experience, the total of your mortgage borrowing across all properties, verification of rent levels across your entire portfolio, uh, your pro- your sorry property and personal assets and liabilities into including your tax liability, the merits of any new lending in context of your existing portfolio and your property business plan, historic and uh, I thought I'd finish there myself actually, historical and future expected cash flows from your portfolio, and evidence of your income both from property and elsewhere and finally a stress test and affordability checks as per the other recently introduced changes as well. Phew! For me personally and uh, as a client of Shawbrook Bank who are a commercial lender and one of the so-called challenger banks uh, for a number of years now already uh, many of these requirements were already in place and I was used to the inevitable 20 questions that would follow a new uh, lending application. However, the burners are being gradually turned up and the heat is getting hotter in the kitchen, even compared to what I have experienced so far. For some that perhaps fell into the PRA PRA definition of a portfolio landlord before these changes and maybe used a variety of non-commercial lenders, or for those uh, about to come under the definition and scope of the guidelines for the first time, things may about to be getting a whole lot more complicated in terms of application requirements. In practice though what do these requirements mean? How could they impact us and what could we do to be prepared for them? Well let's work through the list now then to see. Number one is uh, based on the list I shared earlier your property investment experience and this probably means assessing your suitability for the type of lending sought based on your previous portfolio. So, a new block of flats or a large HMO might be harder to come by in terms of getting a lending lending approval uh, when you only had three buy-to-let terraced houses until now. So, be realistic in how you scale is the advice here. Number two, the total of your mortgage borrowing across all properties. Now again, Shawbrook Bank usually asks me to provide a portfolio summary to accompany a new loan application and I've seen some of the templates that brokers are circulating um, that lenders will require under the new rules. Essentially, they are looking for the following minimum information in this portfolio summary for every property you own, not just the one that you're seeking a lending application or lending on right now. And the list is as follows. It's a the property address, its original purchase price and indeed the purchase date, the mortgage lender, the account number and all mortgage holder names, mortgage account holder names, the current valuation, mortgage balance, uh, mortgage balance outstanding rather and monthly payments along with details of the current interest rate and the expiry date of any fixed period or fixed uh, interest rate period. The current rental income and letting arrangements, such as whether it's self-managed or there's an agent in place, the historic maintenance costs, and in some cases, all of the other property costs as well, uh, costs and expenditure as well. Although they'll assume a figure in any event, so um, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be having a look at your uh, your profitability, let's say, and making a judgment call, even if they don't ask you the question. And as a, prop, a professional property investor, rather, which you'll hear you know hear me talk about quite a lot, certainly one with four or more properties, we ought to be tracking this sort of information already. So that should not be a major challenge in terms of providing the information, at least. It's more the assessment and very verification of the information that is significant, which we'll come back to later on. However, just to illustrate, I have been asked to provide copies of my mortgage statements, and even had a request. Uh, of a one-off statement where the new lender felt that the last mortgage statement from a, an alternative lender, a different lender, was too old for them to consider. And it wasn't really that old, but yeah, I had to write to them and ask for an extra statement and I got charged for it and it took time and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, prepare yourself for this kind of thing. Number three, verification of rent levels across your entire portfolio. I saw a mortgage lender panel discussion on this topic just three months before implementation is planned to come in. And it was clear that there were still some differences in interpretation among the lenders of the guidelines issued by the PRA a year ago. So do expect different requests in terms of interpretation and verification of all information provided and, and, uh, and for, for rent uh, sorry rent verification in particular. Some lenders will want to see copies of all your your current ASTs. Others will undertake automated or even manual rent checks of their own, perhaps even calling local agents. Some others may insist on a surveyor assessment on rent levels, although I suspect this is for the new application property rather than for the existing properties, but you never know. So the best way to be prepared here is to make sure you have copies of your ASTs, which you may need to request from your letting agent, You may also want to do some level of average market assessment across the portfolio as a way of understanding how the lender might be looking at your portfolio behind the scenes. For example, if you are currently charging, say a premium rent for some reason, such as a pet premium or a furnished rental, then an average local area rent check might not support that rent level, or it might not justify it. And so the lender might mark down the rent to the market average, when they're assessing your application. I say might because frankly it's not entirely clear what they will do. Be prepared for different approaches from different brokers and lenders here I would say. Number four, your assets and liabilities including tax liability. Again the professionals, uh, we, we as professionals rather we should be collecting this information anyway. I do, but I also admit it's mostly updated around tax return time, so we might need to address this far more frequently going forward. And as for tax liability, this could become quite complicated for some. Imagine, like me, that you own some properties personally, others jointly, and still others through various or one, sorry, one or various companies, all with different tax rates, reporting dates, and requirements, and such and such like. My accountant might have to get involved uh, to assist me here I think but of course that's going to mean more time and more cost and more complexity. Another consideration um, as is the case with the current valuation requirement in the portfolio summary is who determined the value and when. It's all very well me writing down the valuation but how, how can I prove that? How can I support that? So, um, yeah, it remains to be seen if we'll be asked for portfolio valuations or they'll do desktop valuations or I don't know what. I think they do do desktop valuations in fairness, but um, we might get asked for additional information. But they're certainly going to be checking behind the scenes and that's the main point. Number five, the merits of any new lending in context of our existing portfolio and also our property business plan. And this is an interesting one. Again, as a professional, we should be treating our property investment in a business-like manner. Although we might not necessarily have a specifically written out business plan, especially if we only have four to let, but as an aside, I can share a, a one-page template if you really need one, so just drop me a line if you'd like a copy of that. The lender is, however, mostly looking to just understand your investment strategy or strategies and how this new property fits into that. So it might be as straightforward as saying, long-term buy and hold strategy with an objective of retirement provision. This new purchase forms part of that strategy by adding an income-generating asset to my portfolio. That could be your business plan. But obviously, it could be a lot more complicated than that too. In any event, most lenders prefer clarity, simplicity and especially certainty. So try and remember these points when sharing your business plans with them. And if you have some complex variables that might mean you could change direction on one or all of your properties in the future such as uh, you will sell if the price is right or meets a certain trigger point then it might just you know confuse the issue to include this provision at this point in time in the in the application process it's uh it's always better to uh, seek forgiveness than permission i think is the rule there Uh, beyond the business plan which is our personal perspective The lender will also be forming their independent perspective uh, from their own point of view, and we should not lose sight of that. So try and take an objective look at your personal position subjectively, if you possibly can. Uh, Look through the eyes of the lender and ask yourself, does it make sense? Is it commercially viable? And would I lend my own money to someone that looks like this? And if you can try and do that, you go a long way to preparing yourself for any potential questions that you might get asked You might even change your mind after after doing so as well. Personally I have a one-page executive summary of my uh, property business plan which is what I tend to share with the lenders, the full version I prefer to keep to myself. Finally I saw one or two commentators mention the new energy bill requirements planned for introduction from April uh, 2018, which is just over six months away at the time of recording. You might be wondering what on earth has that got to do with new lending requirements? Well if you think that properties with an EPC rating below E cannot be let out from next April uh, unless under certain, certain circumstances it'll make them less economically viable for landlords. Which begs the question of lenders uh, you know, and their desire to lend on properties that potentially aren't lettable or econ- economically viable to let. And this will affect all landlords but in particular portfolio landlords with a higher business risk to such regulation I suspect. More on this topic in a future episode perhaps but you might want to make a note to check the EPC ratings on your properties uh, in the meantime and perhaps start thinking about what you can do about it in fact if you want to keep the property at all. Number six historical and future expected cash flow from your portfolio. This is another one that might be open to interpretation and different requirements from different lenders. For example proving the cash flow. Now all lenders will ask for copies of your bank statements, probably all personal and property bank accounts. Some will ask for three months, the minimum you should expect, others six months, and yet others might ask for longer, especially if cash flow seems strained or inconsistent for some reason. In addition, copies of personal and corporation tax returns from uh, submitted to HMRC, along with the required formal confirmation back, such as the SA302, for a personal tax return. And this will need to accompany the application when it's submitted, but they can take some time to come through. So you might want to put the request to get your SA302s and the equivalent for corporation tax um, coming out to you in advance of, uh, of any application to avoid any undue delay. You might also be asked for management accounts for the current year on your entire portfolio. And if your tax returns show a taxable loss, you may need to explain why. For example, if you undertake qualifying repairs and renewals, this can give rise to an income tax loss. I have this situation as one of my preferred strategies is buy, refurbish, refinance, as probably I've mentioned once or twice. And so this brings in a lot of upfront tax deductible costs That won't be recovered by rental profits for some years to follow and this produces a tax loss which rolls over year on year particularly if I'm adding to my portfolio and so it incentivizes improving a property's condition with tax breaks but that does not always look good on paper to a lender as you got tax losses (laughs) similarly higher rate taxpayers might be projecting a cash flow deficit especially if investing in low yield locations, such as London, and of course using a mortgage. Note that this is not the same as capital improvements, which can only be offset against capital gains and not income tax. So that could be a negative cash flow uh, that you have to, to pay out, but it doesn't get reflected in the accounts. So from either a cash flow or tax point of view, the portfolio might be viewed as cash negative, loss making, or potentially both. And this might need some explanation to those non-property investing underwriters out there. This is probably most of them. <laughs> Therefore, prepare yourself for the Spanish Inquisition if your portfolio shows anything less than steady profits and cash positive performance, I would suggest. Number seven, evidence of your income both from property and elsewhere. Lenders will need to understand what your property and your non-property income looks like. It is the evidence part that will be at least very annoying and uh, will be asked for payslips and P60s to prove PAYE income and our personal bank and property bank statements as mentioned previously, along with proof of any other income sources such as pension, dividends and so on. Key word being proof. So we need to gather all the the, uh, documentation in advance. Then it's a case of proving affordability in some cases, such as where we don't meet the higher 145% affordability test um, on both new investments and our total portfolio. So we need all this information to back up. It's quite complicated and uh, lots of moving parts. Number eight, stress test and affordability checks as per the recently introduced changes. We should by now be aware of the higher bar we need to jump over Um, as property investors. These are of course the 145% of mortgage payment covered by the rent and the notional interest rate stress test at something like 8% for people with less than a five year fixed rate mortgage of of, um, less than 5%. So even at rates of 3 or 4% typically this is going to be uh, called into question uh, in terms of uh, the stress test. And these are significant changes that already limit lending on lower yield properties, especially for higher rate taxpayers. However, it looks as though these tests will now be applied to the entire portfolio, and not just the new property loan being applied for with, uh, you know, with portfolio landlords. So, of course, we might have, you know, historically taken on properties that met the lower 125% rental coverage, and of course, the stress test hasn't been in for that long. And uh, it, it may have looked perfectly fine. Of course, we'd, we might even be comfortable paying 1, 2, 3, or 4% as a fixed rate mortgage for the next couple of years before rent rises kick in as well to bolster our cash flow. But lenders will have to reevaluate our portfolio based on the new guidelines across the entire portfolio this is of 145% mortgage payment uh, rental coverage and the 8% notional interest rate stress test. And the result could mean computer says no at least in some cases. I therefore suggest that you undertake your own portfolio review using the criteria that have been outlined here before committing to any new purchases to see how a lender is likely to assess you. Outside income, um, sorry, outside income may also be taken into consideration to top up any shortfall. However, this is going to be based around similar affordability checks as with lending applications for a home mortgage, a residential mortgage. The implication being that larger portfolios might require larger disposable income from non-property sources to sustain any perceived deficit in the portfolio based on the latest affordability and stress tests. Of course, if you don't have any non-property income, hmm, yes, I'm sure you've worked that out. The point being, these changes. Um, change the lending decision away from the facts as of now into potentially unrealizable possibilities for the next five years ahead instead. And that's quite a different level of assessment, as I'm sure you'd agree. There is a small ray of hope uh, in case you might be thinking you could become a mortgage prisoner. There was a lot of talk about residential mortgage prisoners a few years ago, but one of the learnings that came out of that hopefully should apply to portfolio landlords here as well, is that if you're stuck on a Uh, or you you think you might be uh, forced into an expensive standard variable rate due to failing to meet all of these higher guideline requirements, then it's expected that, as with the residential mortgage market, that lenders will be required to assess a remortgage in a different way to a new property purchase. And this could mean a lower level of rental coverage required when all you want to do is switch to a new fixed rate product at the end of the previous one. So... (laughs) There you go. I actually thought it was going to be quite a short, um, punchy episode to be quite honest, but as I got into it, yeah, it kind of become a little bit more elaborate. Um, but if you weren't aware of the new Portfolio Landlord Lending Guidelines before, you are now. <laughs> and these changes come fully into force from the end of September 2017. So you might just have just about have enough time to get a new application rushed through and have it registered before the deadline if you do need to remortgage or you you really need to buy a new property uh, anytime soon for example but it doesn't frankly leave you an awful lot of time. Failing that I strongly suggest that you undertake a portfolio review of your own adopting some of the new guidelines to evaluate how you would look to a lender when you need to apply for a mortgage next time around. You might then need to make some changes, such as selling properties, increasing rents and some other steps to help improve how you will look on paper to the lenders in the new environment. Of course, it might mean that you might need to take a new EPC, upgrade the energy, uh, request documentation from various parties and, and all the rest of it. But as said at the beginning, the only constant is change. So we must be able to adapt to it as it comes our way. Now before I end today, just a quick word um, about the Property Voice live workshop on Saturday 7th of October in London. And I had to pre-record this episode in advance, so I hope by the time you hear it, there are still some tickets left if you were looking to, uh, to take, uh, take advantage of one of those. And this is a workshop. It's designed for new early stage and turnaround property investors looking for practical insights and a step-by-step approach to their property investment plans and strategy from an experienced, trusted and non-guru advisor. Maybe these tax and finance changes are making you have a bit of a rethink of your future plans, so it could be a good opportunity to take some time out and work on these plans with some guidance from from me and some peer-to-peer support and networking as well yes we're all in this together. During the workshop we'll collectively work on your personal plans and strategy and some some of you will have the opportunity to be coached live on the day as well and this will be observed by all the others too. You'll also be able to network with me and your peers during the event and during the relaxed happy hour afterwards. Tickets are limited and are available from the Eventbrite listing that's in the show notes or just drop me an email podcast at thepropertyvoice.net and I'll share the link with you. You can also email email me if you want to talk about anything from today's show or more generally in property investing and as usual the show notes will be available at the website thepropertyvoice.net but for now all i want to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week and until next time on the property voice podcast it's ciao ciao
0: thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.